This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. Class is an important question when it comes to college education, period, because a lot of people, they would see don't go to college and they would think, but that is your ticket into the middle class. That is your ticket to upward mobility. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. Uh, I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I've saved all my money. She doesn't have any student loans. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not even like that. Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work, she was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate it. She doesn't appreciate it. That was in Iowa, right? That was a campaign event. That she uh, that she just that she did in Iowa, and this is on the heels of this announcement that they're making today. I think it's in the next. Actually, I think we're going to still be on air when Biden speaks. Correct? Yeah, if he speaks. Yeah, if he speaks. Yeah, well, if he speaks. Welcome to the show, Dana Lash here with you this Wednesday. It's a busy day. One of the things that we have been discussing in terms of uh, the student loan. I'm not calling it forgiveness, so don't. I'm not using those words because that's, you know, it, it, it's not, that's not what this is. Let's be real. That's not at all what this is. It's not an issue of uh, student loan forgiveness. It's an issue of you're, you're, you're passing the debt. That's exactly what this is. So I, um, uh, we're going to get into all of this. So welcome to the show. Your lovable curmudgeon here. I sent out a piece last night where uh, I went into just a little bit of what we're going to talk today because the president, they're announcing this $10,000 student loan. Um, what do I want to call it instead of forgiveness? Cancellation. Uh, cancellation, because it's not canceled. Uh, yes, it's yes. reallocated. It's just yes. simply, I mean, it's just being reallocated to uh, taxpayers. Debt yeah, that's a great, yeah, okay. Student loan debt transfer. I like that. Let's do that. So it's the student loan debt transfer and this the details of it which some of them were kind of a little bit you know they were they were kind of getting leaked out uh all throughout like yesterday and we kind of knew where he was going to be going with some of this already and i was pulling out my story's not gonna my here i kind of got my notes pulled up so the um ten thousand dollars in loan forgiveness for because there's more added for borrowers who make less than $125,000 a year. Now, then, in addition to that, there's an additional payment 
freeze for four months. And pulling this up, the and and we're going to get into the analysis and all of that as well. But the and the Politico has the additional because it's also twenty thousand dollars for Pell Grant recipients. So you have a total of ten thousand dollars student debt uh, for for the, the reallocation student loan twenty thousand dollars up to twenty thousand dollars of debt. Uh, quote unquote forgiveness for low middle income borrowers who previously received a Pell Grant. So that's the new thing that's on there. So I've got a lot of opinions on this. And I'm going to, what I want to do with this portion of the show is I want to let you know what's coming. And then I want to let you know, we're going to talk about why it's wrong. We're going to talk about what got us in this situation, and we're going to talk about what politicians could do to get us out of the situation, but they're, they're not going to because they're all morons. That's not, that doesn't make you feel better, does it? I'm sorry. So, as we were saying, the latest on this, the president's going to be announcing it, I think it's like in the 1 p.m. Central hour. A lot of people on the left say it's not enough. They say it's absolutely not enough. $10,000 student debt, if you have a loan, $10,000, quote-unquote forgiveness for people uh, under 125000 and under, and up to $20,000 of debt for low- and middle-income borrowers who had previously received a Pell Grant. Now, the loan relief, political notes, is going to be limited. They say it's $125,000 a year, up to or families, individual one twenty-five dollars a year, or families earning less than $250,000. Now, the White House is extending that moratorium on payments. They said this is their final time that they're doing this, and it goes through December 31st. You have every right to be enraged about this. You have every right to be enraged. I am. I mean, I've got one kid going to college right now. I'm not taking out student loans. We saved and we did everything right, and he got scholarships. Why isn't that? hell should I be responsible for paying someone else's debt I shouldn't be I'm yeah I'm mad about it you know why because this is a scam it's a wealth transfer furthermore it's I mean it's even more than that you're you're creating a new nobility it's like serfdom I wrote this yesterday they here's what this does and this is not just the Penn Wharton budget model which if you subscribe to the newsletter you have that i sent it to you last night this is also the cbo analysis you also have a number i mean actually i think there's a several different analyses out there but the one thing that everybody comes back to the one commonality is that this is upper class welfare it only affects 13 percent of americans who have federal loans only 13 percent of the people in this country have federal loans now let me ask you a simple question do you really believe that we should be going into debt for an additional 300 billion dollars for 13 percent of americans Hmm? no one forced them to take these loans they did it willingly i was a college student once i i reject the idea that things are different or tougher now than they ever were in fact i think they're easier now than they were they're a hell of a lot easier. I absolutely reject it. And it, I find it disgusting and offensive. It's welfare. This is what this is. It's welfare. 13% of Americans. And what's more, according to the Penn Wharton budget model, this is that bastion of conservatism, the University of Pennsylvania, Kane, you know. 
between 69 and 73 percent of the student loan debt forgiven. These people are in the top 60 percent of the income distribution. It goes even further. Actually, I said 300, 300 billion. I, let me correct myself. It's 330 billion. I apologize. In fact, it could go up to 344 billion and increasing the maximum amount forgiven going up what because you know the democrats say it's not enough you could see almost a trillion it's like 980 billion dollars is what it could hit not kidding this is welfare it's the creation of a new nobility where the top 60 percent get a free ride off of the working class and that's absolutely true case in point new data from the department of education gives you a very good snapshot as to how horrifically targeted this is because it is the student loans they said that the majority of these have been taken out by students who graduated they started repaying their loans 2016 etc they said but it is a massive windfall the data makes it crystal clear that the plan that democrats are proposing is a massive windfall to the well-off the field with the most loan forgiveness, and this is new data, it's at College Scorecard, and it's from the Department of Education. There's also a piece in the Hill. The field with the most loan forgiveness per borrower is dentistry. The average borrower would offload 200, this is one individual, $250,000 of debt onto taxpayers. Borrowers in the field of medicine would have an average of 174000 in law 119 my son's going into law let me tell you what i told my kid i said i'm going to invest as long as you because anything in my house under an 85 percent is an f i'm not kidding you you get eight under 85 percent in my home and there's hell to pay it is an f it is inexcusable there is no reason why anybody should be getting under an 85 percent if you have some kind of uh, learning disability, etc., fine. Let's get it addressed and let's let's get some assistance for it. But without without any other objection, it's just all laziness. So in my house, eighty five percent under that is an F, and I made it very clear: we'll invest in you as long as you you have to work in the summer. You must keep good grades. You must stay out of trouble. We'll invest into you up to this point. After that, anything else you want to do in higher ed is on you 100%. And I don't care how good your damn grades are. So we have my son saving. He's, and he's going into law. Because I'm like, we, you, you got you're, you're, you, you to take responsibility for yourself at some point. And the whole point of this, when you look at the I'm not, I want to tell you something right now, too. I, I want to not be misunderstood. I'm not wealth shaming people. What I am doing is I'm shaming the hypocrisy of people who always pay lip service and act like they're for the working man. But you know who's paying for this? The working man. This is not my appeal to pop with a populist tactic. This is not my appeal to blue collar workers with a populist tactic. This is just the, literally the bill and the data. I'm not, this is, you don't even have to be political with this. I mean, you look at all the the fields of study and the people who have the most debt. Now, 
they say that I, I, I mean, the people who are and a lot of them, too, are in grad school. That's what a, a significant chunk of this debt is also. Now, I think it's interesting. There's an editorial at The Hill that gets into this. And they, they, they're, they're careful to, they're threading this needle. They say, while dentists and medical doctors and lawyers are, yes, yeah, sure, there are some of them who are struggling with debt. Others are lavishly compensated and can well afford to repay their loans. Now, the, they get into everything from people who have associates, bachelors, masters, grad students. You want, grad students account for over 48% of this debt. Did you know that? That's from the Department of Education. Over 48% of the debt is grad students. These are people from upper income classes. Now, two things, because we have headlines coming up, and we're still going to keep diving into this. I want you to think about this. First off, not everyone is going to be exempt from taxes. The public, uh, what is it, public service loan, they're not considered taxable uh, at the federal level. Uh, it is at the state level. And a number of states are going to classify this as taxable income because not every state actually conforms to the IRS interpretation of how, you know, a, a, a PL, uh, what is it, PSLF. That's number one. Number two, this is going to establish a never-ending cycle. Number three, ask yourself why it's easier to get a college loan than a home loan. Number four, colleges should be paying this forgiveness. We're going to dive into the endowments that a lot of these universities have. Did you know Yale has a $40 billion endowment? Yale. Ask yourself, why, isn't the co- why aren't the colleges? They should be paying this, not us. After headlines, I'm going to explain to you how we got in this position. Do you want to know why student loans got so expensive? We're going to go back to 2010, when under Obama-Biden, Congress federalized the student loan program. Ammo is expensive and in short supply. Did you know that you can train without ammunition at your home using the Mantis X? All the best shooters in the world do a significant portion of their training with dry fire practice at home. The Mantis X firearms training system is a no ammo, all electronic way to practice and improve your shooting accuracy. It simply attaches to your own firearm like a like a weapon light and you can use it at home or at the range. The Mantis X gives you data-driven real-time feedback on your technique and guides you through drills and courses. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes using Mantis X. The Mantis X is used by the Marine Corps, Army, and Special Forces. It's military-grade technology at an affordable price. And the Mantis X can improve your shooting dramatically, and it's a must-have for every gun owner. If you believe in your Second Amendment rights, you should also be able to act on your Second Amendment responsibility and be competent and confident in your shooting ability. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's Mantis x.com and now all of the news you would probably miss it's time for dana's quick five brought to you by caltech this is actually really cool and it's not very far from where i am so abc said that dinosaur valley state park we had a drought we don't i don't think we have a drought anymore but they said that they had discovered that there were dinosaur footprints that have been covered, you know, in the past by water and sediment, and they date back more than 113 million years. They're, I don't know what kind they are, but they are cool looking. That's all I know. It's in Fort Worth, Texas, and it's Dinosaur Valley State Park, famous for exactly what you think it would be. And they said that the Paluxy River has been shrieking, so they saw these, the, no, it's not anymore. They saw these tracks from millions of years ago. I, I mean, they, 
I don't know what kind of dinosaur it is. They have like the three toe thing. Three, like three toe. It's weird. But they said the park superintendent said uh, it's one of the most breathtaking parts of the park this summer. They're the longest tracks made by a single dinosaur, possibly in North America. And the tracks are from, uh, bear with me, Acrocanthosaurus dinosaur. Sounds right. From millions of years ago. And they said, yeah, it's going to be covered up. The tracks are going to be hidden again. It's just the nature of the river. That's how it is. So that's actually really cool. So, yeah. I don't, hmm. uh, at CNN, they're preparing for a new day. Apparently, a ton of anchors are on, potentially on the chopping block. You had, uh, uh, what is it, Tater, who got canceled on Sunday. On Sunday, the News Cycle Media president had tweeted that host John King, Brianna Killar, Jim Acosta, Jake Tapper, Allison Camarota, John Berman, Don Lemon, Maybe reassigned to other shows or no longer be employed at the network. I don't think that they'll get rid of Brianna Killar or I don't know if I'm saying her name right, Tapper or John King, but the others, eh, not quite so sure. Ferris Bueller, this is killing my soul, is going to get a reboot because everything sucks. It's going to be a reboot, and apparently, I guess it's going to be for cinema, and we don't know a lot about it, but apparently, it is in the works. They're going to just ruin John Hughes. Stick with us. As ransomware and other cyber attacks continue to sweep the nation, traditional antiviruses continue to fail as they cannot detect new malware and ransomware. And that's because they operate off a blacklist. And many of these antiviruses are made in the same foreign countries that the malware originates from. PCmatic is the only solution that is 100% made in America and uses proprietary whitelist technology to protect against all known and unknown cyber threats, including ransomware, malware, identity theft, and nation-state attacks. PCmatic protects homes and businesses of all sizes. PCmatic also makes your computers run faster by performing automated maintenance and system optimization. Protect your devices with an American-made cyber solution. PCmatic is just $50 for five devices for one entire year with a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Act now and receive $5 off your entire order of PCmatic protection by visiting PCmatic.com Dana. Again, to protect you and your family from ransomware, malware, and other cyber threats, visit PCmatic.com Dana. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Absolutely. Listen, look what Joe Biden's done for our co- President Biden, forgive me, has done for our country. He's been exceptional. Look what he's done for the world. I mean, what's happening in Ukraine, him bringing NATO together, uh, new members to NATO, Finland, Sweden. It's, it's remarkable. The EU. I mean, what other president could have done what he's done? He's been phenomenal. Gas prices are down. Inflation is trending down. Democracy is trending up. I'm running against a what? guy who's against democracy. He doesn't support mail-in ballots. He doesn't support. I can't hear a fake tan no more. Isn't that who? Isn't that? Hang on. I, mean, I, I got to look at. I've got to look at his. Let me. I'm pulling up this because I saved it. I saved it because I, I thought, God, Lee, did he fall like in a in a pool of tang? Like what happened? That was Charlie Crist, by the way. Welcome back to the program. I'm Dana Lash. And um, the angrier I get, the crazier my hair gets. Someone asked if my hair was bigger today. I've got a lot of it. I can't help it. When I get mad, it gets bigger. It's like it has its own life. Welcome back to the show. Your lovable, exasperated curmudgeon here to talk smack with you. Pull your chair up to America's table. So Democrats, what? he He's a Democrat now, right? He's running as a Democrat, Charlie Chris, in Florida. He's going to try to challenge uh, <laughs> DeSantis. <laughs> remember the days he was claiming to be a Reagan conservative. You remember those days? Can we just talk for a second, though, about the fake tan? 
right? Am I wrong, Kane? Or maybe it was this the lighting. I, I saw this clip of him. It was a horrible clip. The, the soundbite that we just played, because I, I don't know if he was in one of their media vans or if he was doing like a Skype from home, but the way that he was set, it had like a fishbowl effect on his face, right? It was just weird. I thought, why, why is, I don't know. So he's, I think it's hysterical that he's actually going to, um, he's going to run. And he's just... He's just a smarmy guy. I'm not a Charlie Crist fan. He's just a smarmy guy. Um, he's, you know, got the, the political retail politics thing down. Wasn't he like an attractive candidate at one point? Like, didn't Republicans, like back in the day, like in the 90s, didn't they actually kind of like him? What changed? What happened to him? Was he possessed? I don't know. Charlie changed. Yeah, Charlie changed. Anyway, I say I'm facetious when I, but they, you know, what well, he's, he's a mean petty guy. So I think he appreciates it. I, that's not going to happen. Grassroots apparently went really big in Florida last night, especially in a lot of school board elections in Texas. There were a lot of school board elections that they did really good in as well. So, you know, I'll say I wanted to, I want to come back to the, because the hot topic today, everybody's been discussing it and people are angry is the student loan situation. I want to share with you. I think it's one of the best things that I have read. Uh, if you have subscribed to my newsletter at Chapter and Verse, or sub, on Substack called Chapter and Verse, you've you've seen it. His name's Chris Stallworth. Will you indulge me for a moment? It's not a long piece. He's a union railroad worker, and he takes everybody to church in one of the most fantastic op-eds I've read about about this. His name is Chris Stallworth, and this was in Newsweek. He writes, quote, well, the headline is student loan forgiveness is a left wing trickle down economics. Chris Stallworth, union railroad worker, writes that the education department wiped out four billion dollars in student debt this week for over 200,000 borrowers. It was the second time the Biden administration eliminated student loans. They also forgave $6 billion in June and extended a pandemic-era moratorium on student loan repayments that began in March 2020. To the progressive camp, this is nowhere near enough. They've been pushing for full cancellation of all student loans. I still haven't heard a reason against student debt cancellation that isn't rooted in cruelty, tweeted progressive congressional candidate Nina Turner, expressing a view commonly expressed by progressives like Senator Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Elizabeth Warren. Turner tweeted, Reminder, student debt is a tax on the poor and working poor who dare to go to college to break the cycle of poverty. Stallworth adds, But that's not what it looks like from where I'm sitting. I'm a blue-collar worker. And when I talk to other blue-collar workers about student loan forgiveness, it's one of those subjects where no one disagrees. It gets a resounding 100% hell no Every time it comes up. This isn't because we're in college, writes Chris Stallworth, a union railroad employee in Newsweek. Most of the folks I work with and talk to have kids in college or have kids that graduated college. But if you ask if college students loans should be paid off by taxpayers, the answer is always the same. No way. Unlike progressives, we don't see student debt cancellation as an avenue out of poverty. We see it as a tax on those of us who chose not to go to college, who now have to pay for those who already got a big advantage in the labor market 
by way of their degree. Maybe the college degree didn't give them the job that they wanted, but when it all comes down to it, before taking out a big loan, it's on you to know what you're getting into. It's on you to do your due diligence. Big decisions like taking on thousands of dollars in debt have consequences. Why should that burden fall to taxpayers? And it does fall on taxpayers, Stallworth writes. Calling it canceling student loans is just as dishonest as calling government-funded health care or education, quote-unquote, free. None of this is free. It's taxpayer-funded. It's not cancellation. It's taking money from the taxpayer and putting it toward paying off student debt held by borrowers. It's deeply disrespectful to the people they are trying to convince to help pay for their loans to misrepresent it. But far from making the case to working class Americans like me, Stallworth writes, progressives act aggrieved if you ask them to defend this proposal. As Turner put it, she has never heard a reason against student debt cancellation, quote, that isn't rooted in cruelty, end quote. In other words, don't ask her to defend her position demanding you pay for the student loans of lawyers and doctors and film studies majors. You're the cruel one for thinking that you deserve to understand why you, a waitress or a carpenter or a nurse's aide or a lineman, should have to pay for it. Stallworth asks, how much of an elitist do you have to be to not give a damn about the cruelty of demanding that blue-collar workers who didn't go to college chip in and pay off student loans that they didn't take out. When I ask progressives why we should pay for something we didn't benefit from, they like to say that paying off student loans would leave these college grads with more disposable income to buy things, which is good for the economy and good for the working class because it makes more jobs for blue-collar workers. And there's that elitism again. We live to serve, apparently. It's the left's version of trickle-down economics. You let the upper classes keep more of their money and the lower classes will somehow benefit. Somehow when Republicans make this argument, it's very clear to leftists how ridiculous it is. I disagree with them there. If we are so committed to canceling debt, why not push for car loan forgiveness or medical debt forgiveness, which would help more classes of people and would in many ways be cheaper? And therein lies the ugly truth. Progressives are not rallying for those causes because they don't focus on who progressives really care about. Highly educated elites. And that's who has the most student debt. The top 40% of households hold 60% of the student loans. That's a working survey, by the way. Stalworth adds, of course, it's true that some people with student loans are poor, but don't even think about suggesting narrowing the scope of whose debt is forgiven to those who truly need it. No, it has to be total cancellation, guys, for the rich and poor alike. Means testing student debt cancellation is bad policy, Turner tweeted in May. Full cancellation is good policy. Full cancellation means that even if the borrower has the money to pay back their loan and is not struggling financially, they too should still get their loans paid off by taxpayers who did not take those loans out. Progressives like to say, Stallworth adds, that the road to the middle class is through college, but there used to be another one. Blue-collar work used to, used to secure a middle-class life for millions and millions of Americans until elites of both parties shipped off manufacturing to China. And now the offshoring of manufacturing has a new younger sibling, progressives crown jewel, their climate policy, which is killing high paying working class jobs that once secured middle class lives. And now they want 
the struggling working class to pay off the loans that secured the degrees that catapulted them into the upper middle class while dropping us out. The progressive approach seems to be telling folks that didn't take out student loans or folks that struggled to pay off their student loans or those that those of their kids that it would benefit us and make our lives better if taxpayers all banded together to pay off the student loans of elites. He says it's ridiculous coming from the left and blue collar workers can see that very clearly. He's he's makes a good point. I disagree with him about trickle down economics. This is not trickle down economics on the left. That's my only gripe. Because no one did anything to earn that money except the people who it's being stolen from. Trickle down economics there's an investment made and a return on that investment. Where the hell's our return on this investment? What the hell do I get as a taxpayer for investing all my money into some, uh, some moron that decided to go into women's studies? I got a doctorate in vagina. That's what I got. What? It's ridiculous. It's a, a newly created serfdom. Actually, I really like how Greg Price, what he called it, Greg Price said student loan, quote unquote, forgiveness is reparations for upper middle class white people. And he's not wrong. You know, believe me, why don't you go look at the demo of all the people who have all this debt and are taking out all these loans? Why don't you go look at the graduation rates, which you're going to do? See, this is this is the issue. It is. It's the issue. This is this is the definition of privilege and entitlement. Think of it. Think of it like this. You have one student who graduates high school, right? Say you got a a student graduates high school, they go to trade school, they get a good paying job as a pipe fitter. Then you have another student who graduates high school, goes to an expensive four-year university, takes out student loans to finance their humanities studies, and when, I mean, really if, because the graduation rates are abysmal for the cost, the university student graduates, they've accumulated five figures of student loan debt. So... Why should the pipe fitter be forced to pay for the overpriced liberal arts education of the university student when the pipe fitter did everything right? Why? This is a problem that government created. A government accountability, this GAO, government accountability survey on student loans. They noted back in July that education has increased federal cost estimates of, of loans by billions due to programmatic and other changes. You know what those changes are? The changes, National Bureau of Economic Research, GAO, Investors, CNS News, Brookings. Back in 2010, Democrats under Barack Obama pushed to nationalize student lending in a budget bill. It was called the Student Aid and Fiscal Responsibility Act. And they wanted to make these loans, 80% of the student lending industry, controlled by the federal government entirely. According to the Department of Education at the time, 14.3 million of the 17.5 million student loans were federally subsidized for the 09-2010 year. And under Obama's plan, the government would consume the entirety of this industry. Now, the federal government would used to subsidize private institutions to entice institutions to provide low-interest loans. 
Government sets the rates. Lenders can charge the students. Government reimburses lenders if market interest rates rise above those rates on loans. So the government reimburses private lenders if they lose money on the loans. And then the lenders agree to return, as CNS notes, any windfall profits made from loans to the government. But the way the Democrats push, government cuts out private lenders entirely. And they set the rates and they collect the payments directly. And the way the CBO slammed the plan didn't stop Democrats from pushing it through. And it's the exact reason why we are in such a mess today. And the same people that are complaining right now about the cost of it, people like Elizabeth Warren and others, it's pretty amazing how they were the people who were there to push this through. They knew it. They had the cost analysis from the CBO. They were warned. And they did it anyway. And now they want all of you whom they just taxed with a major tax bill to take on more debt. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188. Or text DANA to 99 8899. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text DANA to 998899. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The DANA Show. Make sure you sign up for Chapter and Verse, my newsletter over at Substack. Now, We still, I've got a bunch of other economic data for you too with median rent rates rising, et cetera, et cetera. The student loan situation, there are ways to get a handle on this. I mean, the first thing is, actually, I think the colleges should be paying this. I don't know if you're aware of all of the endowments that so many of these these colleges and universities have. Yale, I think I said, had a $40 billion dollar uh, Princeton has a $30 billion endowment. Pretty amazing. Uh, they, I mean, all of these, uh, I think, what is it? Columbia has a $10 billion endowment. MIT has an $18 billion endowment. Uh, Stanford, I think, has like a $30 billion endowment. University of Chicago, $11 billion. University of Pennsylvania, $20 billion. Uh, California Institute of Technology, they got two, a little over $2 billion endowment. I mean, you get where I'm going with this. Why are these colleges who have been benefiting from the federalization of student loans and raise their tuition rates in accordance to this so that they could fleece people of more money, why aren't they handling this? This is one of the first things that we have to do is reduce college tuition. And we have to restrict the number of student loans from here on out because you got to stop this. You got to stop the cycle somehow. You have to. 
And this, if they want to have a forgiveness scheme, then maybe as their penance, universities can, as, as the form of their indulgence, they can, they can pay this. And they should. Because they've shaken people down quite long enough. And honestly, what do we have to show for it? Look at the 42, 43% graduation rate from colleges and universities. I've got more on this. I've got my friend Carol Roth who's going to be joining us later on. Plus, i got some wokery for you. The latest in green, law, crime, elections. Stay with us. Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. People think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. Um, per paging Nancy Pelosi, per paging Nancy Pelosi, clean up on aisle Pennsylvania Avenue. Thank you. Welcome back to the program. Second hour of the show. Dana Lash here with you. Your lovable little curmudgeon. Who's mad? I'm spitting mad. You should be too. I have other things to talk about, but I just, you're going to get screwed so hard on this and this is going to, they're going to do this every, every election now. And, and, and as Kane noted at what, this is all about making college free. They want to push it to where college is free, free. It's not free. But this is a little bit of a flashback audio that we played of Pelosi here. And he's doing it anyway, though. Not that long ago. Huh? It wasn't that long ago. It was April this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, that's for, can you know that? That's like 20 years in political time. You know better. I, um, I just, I'm, I'm just, this is amazing to me. The, push to do this it's a terrible program it's going to set up a horrible horrible precedent and i'm just wondering like at what point you know if you if you get a loan to buy a car you have to pay it back over time with interest right you signed a contract you knew the terms going in i get really aggravated at some of these people that i see that on social media oh boy they're the ones who are like they put angels halos up in their profiles you know they're like oh i'm i saw i'm not please do not mistake me for being blasphemous but i got to get this off my chest because it's so annoying to me so like i saw like for instance i'm just using this as one example of a bunch that i see you know you have this filler he's god's warrior He's out there on the twitter shaming people for not wanting to take care of their brother by paying their debt and I see it, oh, I saw it all, like, that's what, in the left, that's the only time that they love the Lord, by the way, is when they want, they think they can use it, like, to shame somebody over not doing what they 
want them to do. It's it's kind of wild. This argument that somehow you owe it to someone that that is somehow taking care of your neighbor. It's not. Someone this like for instance, this one person said, "Well, you know this um the this you know this is about loving people and helping others when you can. Look what else our taxes are used for, and you would you rather you know buy like waste your money or would you rather help out one of our own and I'm like this first off, making bad decisions and demanding that others because somebody said, "Oh, you should put others first jesus Jesus taught us to put others first. You know, and as long as we keep our eyes on ourselves, Kane, America will never achieve a good a greatness again. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 hold up, because one of my favorite. Remember, always remember, even the devil can quote scripture. One of my favorite things to do, and I this is not anything to brag about, but I just cannot stand this type of horrible witness. Making bad decisions and demanding that others sacrifice for those bad decisions, that's not putting others first, is it? Why is that a one-way street with these people? Help your neighbor, but they don't help by helping themselves help their neighbor, right? By not forcing their debt onto their neighbor. I mean, I'm ready. You know, Cain Cain has all the books of the Bible memorized. I can go back to my summer bible camp and all this stuff we can have this argument we're ready we have on the armor so it's not putting others first you don't cast your trespasses onto others and then demand that they prove their piety by acquiescing to covetous demands not how that works and i i i if people think that, a, yeah, of course, a godless government spends money on godless pursuits, so why would you give them more? Doesn't make any sense. It's a horrible argument that I've seen people try to use. Now, with this, if we're going to have a discussion about who should take this debt, it should be these universities. Let me just, let me run this down because I got some IRS stuff to get into. Oh, there's a development. I told you Yale had a $40 billion endowment. Northwestern has $12 billion. Dartmouth has $9 billion endowment. I mean, Kane, I mean, I'm going over the billions and billions. Vanderbilt, Washington University, in our hometown of St. Louis, Kane, $15 billion. They raised their tuition despite their endowment increasing by 60% to $15 billion. Cornell has $10 billion endowment. Rice University has $8 billion endowment. Notre Dame, $20 billion. I mean, they're cash cows. Why should they should be I'm fine if you want to if you want to forgive student loans, I'm fine as so long as forgive air quotes, so long as the universities are doing the pain. Not us. Not at all. You, you, You have the. Taxpayers that have been hit with one tax bill. This is after you had another student loan, quote unquote, forgiveness. They got hit with one tax bill already. Now you have this on top of it. I mean, this is for wealthy white liberals. That's who this is for. And they're going, I mean, $250,000 a year for a family with college-age kids. Are they anything, so if they get $251,000, they're rich. Did you guys know that? 
sit here and you tell me, talk to me about that. You tell me how these people do not have a fetish for targeting the middle class. Go ahead. This is ridiculous. I mean, I, 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 I'm just, meanwhile, I saw this headline, median rent prices hit an all-time high in July. Consumer spending. I really want to know how the president of the United States is able to do something like that because apparently he wasn't and now he can. That's the whole, there isn't any constitutional allowance that gives him the authority to remove student loan debt. Now, here's the thought. He does this. Lawsuits will come. Supreme Court would have to. I mean, it's pretty clear what his statutory authority is. I mean, presidents have the power of executive order, but this is not one of them. Supreme, there's no way the Supreme Court upholds that. So my question is, is this even actually going to happen? I know. I mean, I'm it. It's it's because it ha, it would have. I mean, it would work up to that point. But could this even happen? Look in look in the presidential authority. Look in his executive privileges and his statutory authority, statutory authority. He doesn't have the ability to do this. I mean, it's it is an unconstitutional move. And here's the other issue to consider. Democrats act like this is so incredibly popular. I have polling, actually, that suggests otherwise. The only people for whom this is popular is with Democrats, like Biden's staffers who desperately want their student loans forgiven. I'll ask you this, Kane. If this was such a popular, widely supported policy, why would he not push it through Congress? Why wouldn't Congress approve it? Right. Why wouldn't it get all the votes necessary? Why haven't any of them actually brought up a really good bill to this point? Ah, because it's not. This is just, it's, it's, it's also, I think, theater. This is just theater. Remember what happened? I was reading back. I was actually thinking about this because I, when I put my thing up on Substack last night, It'll bring up all these, you know, in my dashboard, it brings up related items in case I want to link those or associate those with my post, right? And it um, showed me a thing that I had written on eviction moratorium. Do you guys remember this when it went before Supreme Court and the Supreme Court declared they decided that the CDC has no authority to do this. They have no authority to get involved in different contracts made in different states across the country and tell people how to how to uh, deal with their contractual agreements. And so it was ultimately ruled to be unconstitutional. The CDC overstepped their authority, and you can't say that emergency declaration enables you to do that. In many ways, this is the same thing. There's, it, it, there is no authority given to the president to do this. So who's going to be the group that files suit first? You know it's coming. There's no way that this, that this, that this goes. Because if it does, it's, for, it's there to stay forever. There to stay forever. Now, I want to also get into this piece. Uh, pretty amazing. We've been talking about the IRS, et cetera, et cetera. 
And this story came out. The IRS is launching what they say is a nationwide security review in response to congressional Republicans and far right extremists, guys. The IRS, they are very, they are very concerned about, I guess, what they, what they think your rhetoric is. I don't know. A couple of different places had this, had this uh, story, including Daily Mail. IRS says workers are concerned for their safety and they're conducting a security review because of Republican criticism. They want, they're trying to shame you for doing what you are not only allowed your constitutional rights affirm you in doing that the government can't in, in infringe on, but also what you have an obligation to do as an American and as a taxpayer. So the IRS is launching a full security review of its facilities across the country. That's what Commissioner Charles Reddick announced yesterday. They said that the right-wing voices online and congressional Republicans have drummed up fears over this, all these, the hiring and the cash given to the poor, Kane, the poor, poor IRS, those precious babies, little innocent baby IRS people, little precious little they said that they they we see what's out there in terms of social media, said Reddick. Our workforce is concerned about their safety. Bite me. Oh, bite me. No, you don't get to you don't get to play victim after you leaked data about wealthy Americans so that the president could use it as a talking point in this emotional arc to shame people into voting for higher taxes. Oh, get bent six different ways to Sunday. No, no, you don't get to do this. Uh-uh, no, no one believes you. They said they're going to conduct a risk assessment because, you know, words are violence, Kane. <laughs> Golly, I want to come back to this because do you see this? I know you do, but I'm... Oh, man. They said that you know, there's, you know, our agents, you know, our, our, um, our agents are, are very concerned about this. We're also really concerned about the trigger discipline that your CID agents used in videos over the years where y'all are training. Yeah, we're a little worried about that, too. So join the club. Caltech Innovation is back-to-back. You've heard me talk about Caltech's P50 pistol. Now here comes the new 9mm P15 carry pistol. Quality engineered, the 9mm P15 carry pistol is the lightest, thinnest of its kind and Caltech's first striker fire handgun. And as another first, the P15s feature a totally unique patent-pending 15-round extended magazine. Now other features include ambidextrous grip, safety, reversible mag release, and the hybrid fiber optic night sights with full adjustable rear that all comes standard it's from Keltec inventors of subcompact polymer and now metal handguns the p15's gator grip texture on the polymer version increases stability and makes for easy accurate handling while the all metal version offers comfortable but positive traction and a really beautiful wood grip panel the p15 is the dependable firepower you need to secure your world see the new nine millimeter p15 first up close and personal at keltecweapons.com that's k-e-l-t-e-c weapons.com and now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So in San Francisco, a restaurant owner is livid because the city has been fining him for the constant graffiti that other people are putting up on his business. I, yeah, he's owner. He's the owner of the soon-to-open Gauviet Kitchen. 
in Inner Sunset. He told NBC's Bay Area that he's the NBC Bay Area that he's tired of his restaurant targeted by vandals and having to repeatedly paint over their graffiti. And then after his restaurant was tagged the last time, it came with a violation notice from San Francisco Department of Public Works. They said he had to clean up the gra- graffiti in 30 days or face a $362 fine. So he says he can't even count how many times his business has been tagged. And he said that the Public Works Department, which is true, they don't enforce graffiti code violations. They stopped doing that during the pandemic. However, they claimed that the enforcement resumed last week after a two-year hiatus. But they said that, well, you know, it's properties that are, you know, they can they can apply for a hardship if they're repeatedly hit. Yeah, you know what? Shut up. You guys, you guys made this, you guys made this mess, and you're gonna keep finding this guy? This is crazy. Michigan dog owners are warned to keep their pets at home after dozens, mostly puppies, die of a mystery illness that has left pets vets puzzled. It says that they have problems evacuating their bowels and they are vomiting and they say it's, it's similar to the uh, parvovirus and they're encouraging this because there's like 30 puppies uh, that have died, died in Clare County alone from this. So they said that they uh, most of them are puppies, but they said that they're they're dying because of this mystery illness. It's horrifying. Golly. Uh, also, this some of the grossest things I've ever seen. A Yankees fan drank his beer through a makeshift hot dog straw and it's divided the media. Divided how? People who think it's gross and people who think it's grosser. I mean, I don't know like how you can be divided. Stick with us because we have Carol Roth on the way coming up next hour. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door for free. Not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also receive special discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. Not sure what roast is best for you? Take the Black Rifle Coffee Quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. I'm honored to be standing in the shadow of your amazing building. Do you think of the 10 homes Dr. Oz have? Has a union hall across their home? If you say... See the highlights. You think the word of steel worker. What words come to your mind if you say steel workers? Of all the words that bring to your mind when you hear the word steel workers, does the word crudite come to your mind? What? No, that's not a word well, that's going to so come stupid. to my mind. Crudite is wrong with demanding for words. Oh. An easy safe kind of their income. What? In the... What? (laughs) Those are the hits, guys. 
I don't. I do. I totally don't. It's all right. Uh, welcome back to the show, Dana Lash here. It's funny. I'm laughing because if you're running for public office, don't sit here and expect, don't, you know what, Be if you're going to act like a tough guy, then tough guys get tough guy criticism when they run for public office. And if you sound like a moron, I'm going to laugh at you because it's my duty as an American. That's literally what this country is built on. Our press, literally Ben Franklin, they got started ridiculing and making fun of everybody. I continue that great t- tradition here on this program. So... Welcome back to the show. That was John Fetterman at a campaign event. Was it yesterday? Day before yesterday? I that was yesterday. That? No. He is a professional man of leisure. Man of leisure. I, this is, I like how he thinks the common man. He tries to, he he's cosplays as a common man. And he's not. He's like, so, so do you think that Oz has a... The Union Hall? <laughs> Cross from his home? Like, what is this? <laughs> what? <laughs> so listen, Mr. Fetterman, when you're speaking publicly, I got a great public speaking trick for you. Great, thanks. What is it? Well, just random words. Just, you know, bring it up like it's a question and then shout them. <laughs> I mean, you know, steelworkers? Crudite? What? This guy cosplays. This is the Senate race in Pennsylvania. You have a, you have a, yes, you have, I think Oz is a weird candidate. And I just, I think it was a bad choice, but it's who you got. You either have that or you got the guy who's cosplaying as the common man who got in trouble for not paying his taxes, who lived off his parents legit until he was 53, only worked for barely two years in the private sector with an insurance agent. Didn't his dad arrange that or something? And d- lives in a bougie loft that he didn't even really buy. For a oh, yeah. So he could say that he bought it. It was, you know, an expensive loft and he bought it for a dollar from his sister. His sister actually owns it. Must be nice because, you know, that's what the common man does. The common man gets up in the loft that his sister purchased and he stretches knowing that his entire existence up until this point has been subsidized by his parents. That's the common man. He cosplays as the common man, and he thinks that if I wear hoodies everywhere, I look more common. Because that's what common men wear, is hoodies. It's what they wear, the common men. It's just insulting. You know, he did this uh, whole ad thing with Levi's. Did you hear about that? I wrote about it if you get the newsletter. He acted like, uh, because he got, he ended up going from mayor and then he somehow became lieutenant governor. I don't even know. Nobody knows what those people do. Let's be real. Like what? And then he's, he now wants to, you know, he thinks he's going to be senator. He's actually leading in the polls, which I don't know. But Levi's came and they said, oh, you're, cause he plays a tough guy. He acts like he's hard, right? He's, I'm the guy who grabbed a shotgun and chased down a black jogger because I heard gunshots. Figured the black guy must have done it. I mean, that's pretty much what he said. Let's be real. Democrats normally would be outraged, but it was a Demo- another Democrat, so it was okay, right? It's like if the McMichaels and the Aubrey case, if they could prove that they were Democrats, I'm pretty sure that the Democrat Party, much in the way that John Fetterman ran down a random jogger with a shotgun, the jogger says held him at gunpoint, pretty sure that you know they would have, they would have probably received that differently. I mean, I'm just going by their his- history here. But he's 
this he did this thing with Levi's. They came in. They thought they thought, oh, this is great. We can show the forgotten working man. You know, you play a tough guy. Let's do a whole ad. And they came in and they did Poverty Chic, and they had a bunch of uh, they I like I guess they hired some models and they came in and they, he got a lot of criticism for it because it was basically something of this ad campaign that was glorifying him off the backs of working people in Pennsylvania and nothing ever came of it. And the way that he tried to spin it was that, oh yeah, this they're going to talk about the businesses here in Pennsylvania and their commercial. They showed some stuff in the back. I mean, he got a lot of criticism for it. He's just, I just, he's, this guy is literally, he does nothing. What does he do? And he's, in Pennsylvania, it is a weird race. I've never, you have this guy who also can't campaign, and then you have Dr. Oz, who is the worst campaigner I've ever seen. So bad, you almost have to go, is this on purpose? Did you see the fight that they had on Twitter uh, the other day? Oh my gosh. This wasn't even over the crudite thing, which was so stupid. They were talking about inflation, and John Fetterman's like, wait a minute. He said crudite. That just shows you how out of touch Fetterman is. He wasn't outraged over the increase in cost of all the groceries being discussed. Someone used the word crudite. And he, sitting in his bougie-ass loft, was outraged. Let me go put on my cosplaying everyman hoodie and go and lecture people about using words when veggie tray will suffice. So, I don't. they were going back and forth at each other. Fetterman was making fun of Oz. Because Oz has a lot of houses or something, and he's he's successful. And he said, you're really from New Jersey, and he's been making fun of him and all this. And then Oz came back and said, well, maybe if you would have eaten more vegetables, you wouldn't have had a stroke. He said this on Twitter. And Fetterman, you know, because they're, they've been such a tough guy, and they've been, they've been railing on Oz. And he's been, he, they, suddenly they wanted to pretend to be victims. Wait a minute now. Wait a second, that went too far. It didn't, though. You just didn't like it. You, you don't get to do that now. You don't get to change rules mid-game. That's not how this works. No. They've been so nasty up until this whole point, but this, that, golly. That race is, is ridiculous. People are getting mad at Mitch McConnell when, because he apparently doesn't want anything to do with it, but I got to be real with you. It's, it's Rick Scott who's at NRSC. Get mad at him. But also, would you want anything to do with this race? Let's be real. Would you? I don't even think voters want anything to do with it. Pennsylvania Republicans are like, oh, damn. What? You guys got to do it, though. I mean, do you want to control the Senate or not? I know. I know. But you got to go to battle with what you got. You know what I'm saying? Come on. I, I do feel, I, golly, it's just crazy. All right. So I, got, I saw this. I got a couple of things. This is a, a survey that came out. Daily Wire posted this. It's an NBC News Generation Labs poll. They surveyed 1,077 sophomore college students on numerous political topics. And among the questions that one revealed, 62% of college Democrats would probably not or definitely not choose to room with someone who supported the opposing presidential candidate in 2020. Sorry for your small, tiny minds. That's ridiculous. Says one 18-year-old college student uh, at Siena College. Golly, you can tell her parents are hippies. 
She said, I could never live with someone uh, who supported a racist, homophobic, xenophobic, and sexist person. She's talking about Trump, the guy who had like more gay people in his cabinet than anybody else and tons of women and, you know, whatever. She just believes whatever she's told to believe. All these content creators, they just open up the top of their brains and Legacy Press just like spoon feeds them whatever the hell they make McNuggets out of. That's all it is. Right into their, they, that's the content. That's their content quality. Right into that. And they just repeat this stuff over and over again. 28% of college Republicans, less than half of that, said that they would refuse to room with someone who voted Democrat. And then when they were surveying some Republicans, one 19-year-old said he could easily room with a Biden voter. He goes, a person's political views don't affect whether or not I have a friendship or relationship with them. I don't let that affect our friendship. I approach things like that in my life. Not everybody that I know in my life does, though. That's not my problem. It's theirs. That's just lame, though. People are raising their kids to be bigots. Wait a minute. But MSNBC said that he was a racist. Uh, he must be a racist. It's, it's like, um, what is it, the Mean Girls scene? Where the one girl said, I saw Katie Heron wearing army pants and flip-flops, so I got army pants and flip-flops. That's what these people are. I saw mainstream media say that he was xenophobic and racist, so I believe he's xenophobic and racist. <laughs> It's the same thing. (laughs) Same thing. (sighs) They said a vast majority of college Democrat voters also don't want Biden to run again. 73%. And they don't want him running again in 2024. Interesting. That's most Democrats. But how narrow-minded is that? Man, I feel bad for the way that some of these parents have raised some of these kids in college. I can't, I just can't stand. And you always know who they are, right? You know, if you for that you always know like the parents that are super political, and they and they they raise their kids to be like that because they're the annoying parents. You know what I mean? It's it's I I just I don't know. We've thankfully my kids have always had some really good friends, and their parents have been have been cool because I just don't have I don't have the temperament or tolerance for that kind of stuff. I don't. It's petty and it's stupid. And to see people carry that into their personal lives because they stop looking at people as people and they only look at them as political issues. You know, you're just robbing yourself and you deserve it. That's your punishment. You deserve it. You deserve to be robbed of, of, of broadening your horizons and knowing people who think differently from you. I think it's so sickeningly sad and disturbing when people only want to be around other individuals that confirm their beliefs. That just shows how insecure you are. It's such a symptom of insecurity. So it's sad, sad all around. Interestingly enough, there's a morning consult survey that came out. It said America has become less liberal, but not necessarily more conservative. Now, I was reading this. I don't know if a lot of people understand what conservative is, because I don't view conservative as being the same thing as Republican. I am conservative, not Republican, and I am ideological and not political and i think that some people don't understand conservatives we see ourselves as being more sensible than republicans republicans like government to make things fair when they 
the party anyway, they'll appeal to the government to make things fair when they feel when they want to fast track something and they don't want to put the time into massaging the culture to do it themselves. They'll just appeal to government to do it. Right. There's been a, there's a number of big government uh, appeals and proposals that they've done in the past. I mean, look at, you know, during the Bush administration, but conservatives, they want really want to be left alone. They really do. And then I, I think they're a little bit more Tocqueville than Republicans are. But everybody works together under their grand big tent. But they did say in the survey, they said America's ideology is definitely changing. And there's an increase in the number of Americans who identify as moderates now. A lot of people used to identify themselves as either very liberal or liberal. I don't even think that that word's not even actually used correctly. Reagan kind of made that a pejorative during his term, and then they changed it to progressive. I mean, it really should be progressive, not so much liberal. I mean, ultimately, I think it's to be socialist. You can have Democrats, and then you have socialists, because I don't believe in progressive. Progressive sounds like it's, you know, a more left of Democrats, but not socialists. That's BS. It's you, just like you can't be a little bit socialist. You can't, be, you, you can't be a little bit pregnant. You can't be a little bit socialist. But there is, they said the data paints a picture of asymmetrical polarization because Democrat voters, it's not really Republicans, Democrat voters, by and large, are the ones that are becoming more moderate. Interesting. With the recent rulings from the Supreme Court, it's worth mentioning that these wins didn't happen on their own. It took the support of companies like Patriot Mobile, who have passionately fought on behalf of the unborn and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they've been on the front lines fighting for your values. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on many Americans, and thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget, and they offer the same nationwide coverage as all the major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the knowledge that your money is going to a company fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, and the Second Amendment. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Use offer code Dana to get free activation. If you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have special discounts just for you. Come join the movement and make the switch. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana, PatriotMobile.com slash Dana, or call 972-PATRIOT. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. Man, this this guy wanted it his way and then some. Actually, that's Burger King. Is that Burger King's yeah, thing? Do they what is what is Taco Bell's? Does it still little, run for the border? No, I, I'm sure pretty sure is it's it probably done? like racist or something. I'm not sure what it is now. I don't know. Who knows? Nobody cares. I'm just <laughs> waiting until you hear the update to the student loan thing I got for you. Uh, so from Channel 8 News, a naked St. Pete man crawled through a Taco Bell drive through window, said police. Oh, for the love. That's so gross. Christopher Verstratton crawled through the drive through window of a Taco Bell, all while totally naked. Any KKID. Then he laid on the kitchen floor, refusing to leave. He was arrested shortly after on a charge of exposure of sexual organs. Oh, man, you're going to have to wipe that whole drive through window down now. That's so nasty. That's super nasty, man. Oh, dude. Uh, a ma- Florida man was arrested after stealing and drinking vodka at Walmart. And he looks like he's having a ball, too, by the way, in his, uh, in his mugshot. It's actually kind of hysterical. He, uh, 42-year-old man, was arrested at the Walmart in Sebastian for shoplifting and disorderly conduct. Sebastian Police Department got the call Friday. 
A guy was drinking Smirnoff ice and stealing merchandise in the store. He didn't even care. He's walking around with a six-pack of vodka beverages. And uh, James John Perez, he was up from L.A. originally, now in Florida. He was arrested, and uh, they got socks from him, McCormick vodka, scissors, and a pocket knife. And he's totally in jail now in River County. Stick with us. Got an update on the student loan thing. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. Class is an important question when it comes to college education, period, because a lot of people, they would see don't go to college and they would think, but that is your ticket into the middle class. That's your, that is your ticket to upward mobility. That is how in America you become successful. You work really hard and you get into college and then you work hard in college and get a job. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I saved all my money. She doesn't have any student loans. Am I going to get my money back? Of course not. So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not even Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work, she was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate it. This is all giving me, it's making my migraine worse. I'm fighting a migraine. And all of this is making it worse. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lashier, third hour of the show. Biden's going to be speaking soon on all of this. I posed the question earlier. How is he doing this? How is he doing this? If you were listening to the program, your lovable curmudgeon here, earlier, I'd asked, what is his authority, his, his legal authority, if he has any, to do any of this? Because he doesn't really have any. And... Nancy, we played that audio of Nancy Pelosi. Miguel Cardona, Secretary of Education. Well, this is what they're giving. It's uh, pretty amazing. They're trying to cite a post-9-11 law that allows for debt cancellation in connection with a war or other military operation or national emergency. And according to (laughs) the... Department of Education memo from CBS. Oh boy. They are, that's exactly what they're doing. It's under the HEROES Act. Man alive. They say that they, they discuss the HEROES Act first enacted in the week of September 11th. It provides the secretary broad authority to grant relief from student loan requirements during specific periods. I am going to scream. Like national emergency, like the present COVID-19 pandemic. It's not, st- it's not a national emergency. It's not still, and it, it's not. They said that that's what, they're, that's what they're doing. They said specifically the HEROES Act authorizes the secretary to waive or modify any statutory or regulatory provision applicable to the student financial assistance program. If the secretary deems such waivers or modifications necessary to ensure at least one of several enumerated purposes, including that borrowers are not placed in a worse position financially because of a national emergency. That's what they're. Wow. That is what they're using to try to to, to do this. That's what they're doing. So. Yeah, if you paid off your loans and all that and your debts, well, congratulations. 
You're going to pay for everyone else's. This is what gets me. You had people who went and and got in and got into the military for money for college also. That's a great, you know, GI bill. Because they had no idea student loans would one day be forgiven by this administration. Yeah. Um I'm I'm just it's just shocking to me. And they get all oh, the media, it's historic. So historic. It's amazing. Like, this is so great. But you're setting up a horrible precedent and you're punishing people. Punishing people. The $125,000 cap, by the way, is also absolutely meaningless. When you look at the administration's words on it, the, and this is, uh, there's a, a great piece in The Federalist about this. They say that they're saying that capping loan forgiveness to those making $125,000, most borrowers are at the beginning of their career and they still haven't even started the enjoying of whatever benefits you get from having a college degree. The average worker with a bachelor's degree ends up making a million more in their careers, those with graduate degrees, two to three million more, than a worker with a high school diploma. And yet the Biden administration, writes David Harsani, will compel truck drivers and clerks with high school diplomas to pay the loans of white-collar workers on their way to six-figure salaries. That is true. You should be enraged over this. I normally don't say that. Normally I'm like, uh, you know, let's, let's work. No, you should, yeah, no, 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 no. You got every right. Because this is a horrific abuse of power. I, you, have, you have people who are struggling to make ends meet, and this is what they're doing. I, I, this is constitutional nihilism. Using the HEROES Act of 2003 to cancel student loans. And they're not canceling it. You all know this. That's what they're canceling, student loans. It is brazen, and, and I'm just without words. He's going to be speaking here shortly. They, it's funny because they say the White House fact sheet says no high-income individual or high-income household in the top 5% of incomes will benefit from this action, except that's not even true, and that's according to Brookings, CBO, and Penn Wharton. This is all the federal government's problem. This all starts with the government. Wall Street Journal had a headline one time, Shaky Colleges Get Help on Bad Loans, describing the Democrat push to federalize student loans. Government to the rescue. There was a study called The Accounting for the Rise in College Tuition, and two economists Gray Gordon and Aaron Hedlund concluded that all these subsidies, the aid is leading to higher college costs, more people in debt, and in the absence of higher labor market returns, more loan default inevitably occurs. The federal system pushed up tuition faster than inflation did. And students have to take out more and more and more and more debt. But starting salaries aren't keeping up. And so people are defaulting. 
National Bureau of Economic Research, said that the federal student loan program was more than enough, get this, to account for the entire rise in college tuition from 1987 to 2010. That's a failure. From 2006 to today, total student loan debt soared from $517 billion to $1.3 trillion. That is a 152% increase. Over the same period, real starting wages for college grads were flat. National Bureau of Economic Research. Government getting involved in anything, subsidizing anything, often results in a crisis. And they always blame the private sector. They always blame people not paying their fair share when that's not it at all. It's colleges that aren't paying theirs. They, they charge more and more and more and more money and they have these multi-billion dollar endowments. Our government doesn't learn. We did this with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And we, we created a, house, a crisis. This is why, I mean, Democrats in 2010, they, they nationalized it. They took over the entirety of the student loan program. It's in, red, it's in the red now. And this is the result of it. And honestly, I got to tell you, Republicans could have, their, Republicans could have put a stop to this too. This is going to be a never-ending cycle because it's a moneymaker for these people. It's a moneymaker for the people. You, you know, when you look at the brackets, let's just let me break this down. The people who are going out and they're, and they're getting these loans and they're going into this kind of debt, these aren't the people that are going to trade school. These aren't the people that are becoming the dental hygienists. These aren't the people that are becoming welders and pipe fitters. These aren't the people that are, that, uh, th- these are uh, bureaucrats, they're administrators, they're lawyers, they're, uh, th- it's you, those people in that mid-tier. In fact, as school administrators, ultimately, these are the people that actually are going and implementing wokery and CRT and DEI throughout businesses and schools across the country, and now they want you to pay for all of their college debt. That's exactly who this is. These are, who, these are exactly who the people that in this, in this bracket in this, that have this debt that have accrued the most. Unbelievable. It, it is, universities have taken advantage of this. Do you know that for every dollar of student loan money that the government uh, has available, the college, re- universities respond by raising tuition 60 cents? Prager did a really, uh, uh, their thing, did a good thing on it. Uh, Inez Stepman had a good piece on this too. See, they, this is a gravy train for these colleges and universities. And if the government is going to give you money to go to college, they can just raise tuition whenever the hell they want. If you can't afford the tuition, you can just borrow more. And that's what they've been doing. And in turn, the universities create more, they build more buildings, 
They hire more staff, more administrators. And these are the people who benefit. It's easier for you to get, you know, student loans than it is to get a loan for a home. You got to ask yourself why. And part of this problem, too, is society, because we have we have engineered, socially engineered people to think that you have to have a college degree for everything. You have to have a college degree for anything, and you're going to have to take out student loans. So it's gone hand in hand with with government nationalizing this program and driving up the cost. It's gone hand in hand with us. We have culturally conditioned people. Our society was looking down on people who didn't go to a four-year university. Looks down on people that are smart and save their money and go to community colleges instead or trade schools. People used it as a status symbol. They, and, and they use it as more, of a, for more for fraternity and sorority purposes and networking purposes and status symbol purposes and ways of cementing their status in their societal bubble than what it what it's actually should be for. I mean, we're I don't think you can screw up education more than this. And who are all the people that favor the 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 quote unquote cancellation of this? I mean, what do you think? I mean, seriously, you 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 have a ton of debt when you get out of college. And you, your wages aren't keeping up because the spending for tuition even uh, increases faster than inflation. Wages are flat. The same stuff that you would go and get a job for, you know, 10, 20 years ago that you didn't need, a, that they didn't require a bachelor's degree. Now you have to have it. And so you, you come out and you start adulting with tons of debt. And then you have a politician that promises to sign away your debt. Who do you think you're going to vote for? That's what all this is. Meanwhile, it's the taxpayers that have to pay it. Looking at, I mean, we're going to be hitting a trillion dollars of this. That's exactly what's going to happen. We have Carol Roth on to talk about this here. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Mm-mm-mm. So, this uh, LA has been, they're being mocked in Los Angeles. For offering coronavirus tests to animals who have been in contact with the virus, even though the city has recorded zero cases in pets, LA Public Health is offering not actually free COVID testing because taxpayers got to pay for it. So they've tested 107 bats, 12 raccoons, 7 squirrels, 12 coyotes, 6 possums, 1 rat, and 6 sea lions. They should be ridiculed. They should abs- I, I'm just shocked we're not out there with saws right now. You know, theoretically trying to saw them off into the Pacific at this point. Just get, get, get out. Done. Done with it. So just ridiculous. Uh, in, this is France 24. So in, in, in China, and if I can pull this up because Safari sucks, tech sucks, everything sucks right now. Uh, apparently they've decided to turn the good guys, the bad guys good in the ending in the Minions movie. I don't know. I can't read it because it's not opening. Yay, for some reason. So let's move on to something else. So this whole story's got me so aggravated with the student loan stuff because if I can just, I've got to stop. If Republicans are not raising all manner of hell on this, why do they deserve your vote? Why? It's infuriating. Oh, I'm told I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ever be done with this thing ever. 
Uh, also, a couple of other things that I've missed previously. This, um, apparently, Australia, their bank is ending loans for gas power, new gas-powered cars. So if you get a, in Australia, if you purchase a new, newly manufactured gasoline-powered vehicle, they're going to end any kind of loan for that. Instead, loans are only going to be available for electric vehicles soon in Australia because they want everything, no, zero emissions by 2035. Can we start with the hot air that's emanating from the orifices on the heads of all of these politicians in Australia? Maybe they could start there. Coming up, Carol Roth joins me to discuss this scam, this scheme that you're going to be forced to endure. Stick with us. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's The Dana Show. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. Ah, now you might have thought that. Apparently, nobody clued in, Nance, and welcome back to the program, your hateful curmudgeon here today. No one informed Speaker Pelosi that you could use the HEROES Act and just kind of, I guess, get around it, which I still, we've, we've been reading it, and I still think that's a stretch. I don't see how that survives legal scrutiny, but I only pretend to be a lawyer and a business person on television and radio if you're watching the simulcast of the nationally syndicated show joining us right now the amazing carol roth because i cannot wait for her to break this down she is a recovering investment banker very successful author television pundit new york times selling new york times best-selling author i should say and her book the war on small business if you haven't read it i don't know why you hate capitalism in america and everything that's good carol joins us now so my dear friend this uh I, I don't know how that using the HEROES Act is justification for it, because we're not even in a pandemic anymore. But further, this how, we're ra- so we just raised taxes on people, and now we're asking the people that we raise the taxes on to foot the bill for the collegiate welfare of all of the progressive white voters that typically lean Democrat anyway. I just, I'm just curious as to your reaction on this. Oh, I think it's great. I mean, isn't there anything you'd like to ask Santa Claus Biden for? I mean, I, I've got my eyes on, on some shoes and a train set. I mean, listen, we can all agree that there is a problem with student lending in this country. I mean, the government is the largest predatory lender. They go out to people who are teenagers, minors, and sign them up for things. They have no idea what it is that they're signing, you know, five figures, maybe up to six figures in loans. They're not dischargeable in bankruptcy like everything else. And as the government has nationalized the bulk of student lending, it has allowed these colleges, enabled them to increase the cost of these worthless educations uh, exponentially and they're not they have no skin in the game so so there's definitely something wrong and it makes me feel bad for people who've been caught up in this yeah but to all of a sudden say well we're going to now make ten thousand dollars disappear as if that's a thing like what if we could just make debt disappear we've got 30 trillion dollars in national Woo! debt there's no repercussions <laughs> let's just you know make that go by the wayside but to, you know pretend that that actually is going to do anything 
but further enable these schools to continue to rip off young people and to have this giant wealth transfer from the working class and the middle class to these colleges, to these administrators. I mean, that's basically the drumbeat of the Democrats and the Biden administration. We are going to transfer wealth. We are no longer the party, not that they really ever were, but they like to pretend they were the party of the the working class person. Um, And we're just going to extract every dollar from you, try to make you dependent upon the government so we can secure our power. And it's just frustrating all the way around. There's just nothing good that has come out of it. Yeah, we're talking with Carol Roth. And, And the other question, because someone had posed this, and I don't, I don't know the number of states, or I know it's different state by state. Some states will tax any kind of debt forgiveness. I know the public the public service loan forgiveness, that's something federally that they don't tax on, but I know a number of states do. So aren't people going to be still in some areas paying tax on this? So I have not studied this deeply enough. I've only read the headlines on Twitter, um, but it does seem that there was some, you know, one of these millions of acts that have been passed over the, the last year and a yeah. half that that's attached to that is that any student loan debt forgiveness may not be. But again, I mean, it's still a win, even if you do get taxed on it. I mean, it's still money that's coming, you know, coming out of my pocket, yeah. going to somebody else's pocket, same with yours, same with everybody listening. And it's really frustrating for all of the people who decided not to go col- to college, went to a, to a college that they could afford because they couldn't afford the one of their dreams, who were like me, who put the cardboard box with the sheet over it as my bedside table when I graduated from college so that I could pay off my loans. You know, everybody who's done the right thing, um, it's frustrating for, but at the same time, we're in the middle of this giant cash giveaway to Ukraine, to the chips companies, to everybody else. So it's kind of like, well, everybody else is getting something. So isn't it okay that the average person is getting something? It makes it harder to argue when it's, you know, again, just this giant game show bonanza of, you know, you get something and you get free stuff. And unfortunately, as we saw with the American Rescue Plan, where stimulus checks were given away, you got your $1,200 and now you're paying six to $10,000 more this year in inflation. It's not a free thing. That There's no like magic money tree that just makes this all work. These are obligations and the money and the the repercussions of that come from somewhere. We're talking with the brilliant Carol Roth and Carol, too. I I, I think you I think you may have tweeted this. I want to make sure I'm attributing this correctly because I saw it somewhere. It said, you know, I'm totally fine. If I can go ahead and forgive all this stuff, just make the colleges pay for it. Colleges and universities should pay for this. I was looking at all the endowments they have. Like Yale has something like a $38 billion endowment. Uh, all of them, billions and billions of dollars of endowments. And I was looking at some of the statistics. I think it's something like every, for every dollar that the federal government makes available for student loans, like colleges increase their tuition by 60 cents on the dollar. Why, with all of their billions of dollars in endowments, why, they definitely have the money to, to do. So why can't they do it? They should, because they've been raising their rates since they were federalized in 2010. Why can't they just pay for it? Yeah, I mean, that was my tweet, so I will take credit for it, is that, you know, I am in favor if you want to cancel this, but let's put the recourse back on the schools. Let's make them fire some of these ridiculous administrators. You know, it's not like they have uh, bulked up 
the teachers in order to improve the learning and improve the value of the accreditation, they have just made the cash grab much bigger. And so not every school has the crazy endowments. Yes, we have the Harvards and the Yales and now the University of Texas system that I call hedge funds masquerading as universities because yeah. that's basically what they are, you know, 40 plus billion or whatever it is for Harvard and pretty close the same for the, the Texas system. Um, but, you know, it, those aren't necessarily the ones that have the students with the problems because they do actually fund a lot of their schools. It's kind of the, the whole broad system and that amount of endowments is really skewed. But think about how much we give to the colleges in terms of their tax-free status, in terms of tax dollars, and then, you know, this, this basic um, enablement of you know, this cash grab because we've nationalized the lending and they have no risk in the equation. So that needs to be reformed. They need to be on the hook for part of it. They should be forced to slash their budgets. They should be forced to, you know, you should be able to sue your university. If you are getting an accreditation and you're not able to make enough money to pay it back, that's a serious problem. So either they sold you a bill of goods or you didn't do what you're supposed to do. And that should be sorted out amongst them, right? I mean, that that's the issue. That's a great point. Yeah, unfortunately, we have these accreditations and people like to conflate that with education. Education is valuable, but you can learn things for free. MIT has got its entire coursework available on the Internet. You can educate yourself. But if you're going to pay for an accreditation, it has to have a return on investment. And it's why we need to change the process of the loans. So if you're going into a high value field, you might be able to take on a bigger loan. And if you're studying underwater basket weaving or gender studies or whatever it is that maybe you don't get as big of a loan let the market start that sort that out and make the colleges have to respond in kind that will change everything overnight and it's just not part of this if they were saying hey we're going to forgive ten thousand dollars but we're going to do it as we're reforming the whole system i'd be like yeah it kind of sucks but at least we're solving the problem we're just not solving the problem we're just transferring wealth from one group of people to another group of people that's a great point. Talking with Carol Roth, the author of The War on Small Business, which you can which you can and should buy now if you haven't already. The other thing, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but because I, I didn't take out student loans. I worked two jobs, three during Christmas. I, I literally worked unloading boxes. I was a uh, I worked in retail. I was a waitress. And then I worked um, unloading shipments for Old Navy in college in the back. Love so it. I was the person who would take the big boxes of jeans off the truck. And that's because it was great money for Christmas. And when you were talking about the, the cardboard box table, that was there's like there's this kinship that people have that struggled that you're supposed to be like that when you first start out in life. You're not supposed to come out with a silver spoon. You know, you're supposed to, it gives you character. And it really feels like our society, because I think it's a twofer. We have the government that totally went in on this whole scheme. They wanted to nationalize this. The colleges loved it because here, if they're, you know, if you got to get student loans, yeah, we're going to raise our cost of tuition if you got guaranteed loans coming in. But then we have a society that I think brainwashed everyone into thinking that you only matter in a profession if you have gone to a four year university and you get some BS degree in humanities, even if it's like they offer degrees in women's studies. I mean, it's you're basically getting degreed on what it is to have a vagina. I just it blows the mind 
I, I wanted to get your... get defined, by the way. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> apparently you also have to be a biologist, too. Uh, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because it's it, we have to reform this the system. And I love your ideas. But what do we do to change the way that society views this? Because they've looked down on like trade school folks, the people who are making dependable cash now. They're, they've looked down on them for so long. Yeah, it's a huge issue, and I think we need to have more discussions and more people, um, you know, kind of talking about, first of all, the merits of any job. Every job is important and valuable and essential, and we should be walking in, um, as I do, the airport bathroom and saying hello to the person who's, you know, there and doing a great job mopping the floor every one of those jobs is incredibly valuable because we have talked down so many of these jobs. There is a huge shortage. I mean, think about what's going on with airline pilots. There is not going to be enough airline pilots for the future. We're not going to be able to get anywhere because people sort of thumb their noses. there. the same thing with plumbers. Yet you have these people, you know, you get these these women on Twitter and it's always a woman on Twitter who's like, well, I have a, a PhD, MBA, MMA, MFA, CFA and whatever. And, you know, I'm going, well, you're a moron then. I got a major degree and I got myself promoted past the point of needing to go back to school. Like, you're paying that much money for all that? You sound really dumb. But they seem to think that that confers some sort of special status to them. Um, There was probably a point in time when there was more scarcity in terms of education that having the education Mm. did confer some special status to you. But we... Everybody has the opportunity to get it. And, you know, that brings down sort of the the net value of, you know, what is we're offering. And particularly now that there is no sort of return on investment underwriting metric that is tied to giving loans or tied to degrees. Every degree costs the same. You know, my degree, undergrad degree from Wharton, that when I went into investment banking is the same as, you know, pretty much anything else that you study. And the marketplace doesn't value the accreditation of that the same way. That's that is such an important point. And I'm so glad that you're out there making it. Carol Roth, you can get her book, The War on Small Business. Follow her on Twitter, Carol J.S. Roth. Always good to see you, my friend. Thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you. Of course. Take care. We'll talk soon. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. My dad's greatest regret was that he never got to go to college. And my dad was a very well-read man particularly history and uh um, but it was a great regret and you always say joe you're gonna be a college man and i say dad but what what does that matter i mean you can still get fired if you're a college man he says yeah but they can never take it away from you they can never take your education away and i remember my senior year just announce what you're going to announce no one one gives a right just stop it nobody even gives a right backside we're trying to get the money guys By the way, I had, because I've been fighting a migraine, you know how caffeine's good for migraines. Welcome back to the show, Dana Lash here. So I had an espresso and I told, I warned you guys, I said I'm going to be nuts in like five seconds. It's a black rifle coffee something. I don't know. All I know is it's like liquid crack and I am full on like a beavis mode right now. I'm about ready to shoot up to the ceiling and like I could turn into a tornado by myself right now. I could just fly up into the atmosphere. I can do that. Welcome back to the show. This is, the government doesn't give anything for free. I think that's one thing that people need to understand, number one. Number two, 
still they can sit here and they can try to justify this with the heroes act and everything else it doesn't make it any more constitutional number three all of this started when they pushed to nationalize student loans back in 2010 and while democrats pushed to nationalize student loans back in 2010 driving up costs and thereby putting us in this mess republicans haven't done a damn thing about it and if they are not making all manner of hell out of this why do they deserve your vote coming up i mean it's it's you are forcing the middle and lower classes to subsidize. This is welfare for the wealthy. This is not an intentional class warfare argument. This is exactly what it does. I have broken down for you the exact people who have the most debt, the income bracket that they're coming from. It's Brookings, it's Penn Wharton, it's CBO. I mean, this is real data. This is not affecting. There's, 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 this is not benefiting poor people who can barely afford college. This is benefiting the people who are going and, and, and they are coming from cushy uh, uh, income brackets and they're, they're going into administrative positions. You're assuming their debt. That's what this is right after they raised your taxes. Today in Stupidity Kane. Woo! Could be Biden, but we're going to choose oh, uh, Charlie Crist. Uh, today he's out there essentially i guess taking a page out of hillary clinton's deplorable playbook listen to this those who support the governor should stay with them and vote for him and i don't want your vote if you have that hate in your heart keep it there i want the vote of the people of florida who care about our state good democrats good independents good republicans unify with this ticket so. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I can't even. Every time I can't even stand luck, to hear Chris. him talk. Good luck. Yeah, good luck, guy. Yeah, good luck, guy. Gosh, him and John Fetterman. All right, folks, that does it for us today. I will have more tomorrow. We'll be back together behind the mic, and I'll give you a heads up on anything else that develops. Have a great evening.